tell you what, there are some really good one-liners and there's some really good situations in movies that actually tell quite a good story. And so can we just watch this one and then we'll pick it up from there. Okay? Are you ready to do your duty for Rome? Yes, Father. You will not be Emperor. Which wiser older man is to take my place? My powers will pass to Maximus to hold in trust until the Senate is ready to rule once more. Rome is to be a republic again. Maximus. My decision disappoints you? You wrote to me once, listing the four chief virtues. Wisdom, justice, fortitude, and temperance. As I read the list, I knew I had none of them. But I have other virtues, Father. That can be a virtue when it drives us to excel. Resourcefulness, courage, perhaps not on the battlefield, but there are many forms of courage. Devotion to my family, to you. But none of my virtues won your list. Even then it was as if you didn't want me for your son. Commodus, you go too far. I search the faces of the gods for ways to please you, to make you proud. One kind word, one full hug, where you pressed me to your chest and held me tight. Would have been like the sum of my heart for a thousand years. false as a son is my failure as a father.
nothing gets your attention more than if someone dies. All right, good. Just remember that. Just, just hold that in your imagination. Sorry if you freaked out. Yeah, he died. Sorry. A little sleep, a little slumber. I, um, th- this message, I was just thinking, look, we live in some of these crazy times where, where I feel it is like we're not, you know, when we haven't been able to gather together and this even this last 18 months or something where, where church hasn't happened or you know, things have been put on hold, things have been cancelled, momentum has been killed. Uh, I've watched Cav book um, plane flights and hotels and things for conferences and, and we've planned um, Father's Day's events and then we've just gone through and have the hassle of cancelling everything. And, and somehow you sort of get to the point where you think, what the heck? Everything we plan falls to pieces, so why do I bother? And what can happen is we can switch off a little bit. And I'm, so like I said, I'm encouraged to see so many people here today because you've made an effort. It's like, hey, yeah, it's time to get back to church, even if you've got a book in. And so I'll start with this. I had a, I had a dream. I had a dream. This is about two and a half years ago, and I, I didn't really know when it was going to relate to but maybe it relates to now and I'm sort of feeling a bit of a quickening on it now and I've had three significant dreams that I believe are God dreams and this is one of them and this one here we were we were in a a meeting and the good thing is I didn't recognize anybody's faces so it's not you guys this is the church in general Um, this is a general feeling that I had after the dream that like the interpretation of it is that the church had to be careful in this area and what happened, we were in this meeting, and just like that last song, you know, Breathe, that we were in the middle of a, of a meeting, we were worshipping, and you could tell that the presence of God was just beginning to fall into the place. You know, you could feel the anointing, you'd feel the atmosphere was changing. There was like a heaviness of, of God in the meeting. And you could see people responding, and like I, I could hear you responding this morning. I was like, oh, this is so good. This is like just plays right into my dream. And it's like, it's just exciting. And it's like, you know, people, even if you're not familiar with what it's like to be in a meeting where the anointing is beginning to really flow, and there's a real, um, real presence of God. You know, it was like we were all sort of captivated. Nobody didn't want to move. And it was like, wow, this is going off, you know. And, and I remember in the dream, I was almost overwhelmed with emotion because my goodness, this is, I've been waiting this for this day just to see a, a sovereign breakout of God amongst a meeting that I'm in. And it's like, here, it's happening right now. And I'm getting really excited. Next thing, this little fellow just pops his head from around the corner. Hey, the Tigger movie's starting now, just next door here. If you want to watch it, it's on in five minutes. And next thing, the, the anointing just lifts. And, and people start getting up and go, oh, you've got to get to the Tigger movie. Oh, where is it? Oh, you're down here. And getting their seats in the Tigger movie. And I, I'm, I'm sitting there going, No! What the heck? No, 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 no. And then as people were getting up, others were sort of getting interfered. Oh, and they were coming out of like that presence of God. And they were like, oh, yeah, I've got to go too. Yeah, well, it must be really good. The thing is, I never knew there was a Tigger movie. I didn't even know there was a Tigger movie. I looked up. I wonder if there's a Tigger movie. I looked it up. There's a flipping Tigger movie. I didn't even know there was one. And so that was sort of what helped me to realize that I think God was speaking to me. And I sort of I took it on board. It's like, God, what do I do with this? I don't know what to do with this. This is like a big dream. And I so I'm gonna preach on today, sort of. Uh, Proverbs six six to eleven says this Go the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. 
It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come into you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Now, <laughs> it's like, Ooh, you sluggard. It's fairly, this is the Bible. You know, we, we, we talk about Jesus, the baby Jesus. Babies are cute. And we talk about mercy and we talk about love. We talk about grace and we talk about the good things, what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross for us. And then we start talking about lazy bones. Stop it. Get off your butt. Do something. It's like, oh, that's another. But it's scripture. And so I have to go there. The ant that he was talking about here is the Pharaoh ant. And this is the Pharaoh ant. It can live between four months and a year. But it stores up food that it's not going to eat. And uh, I like um, the footnote that goes with it. And it says this, The life lesson from Solomon's parable was this. Now I know there's a practical thing. You don't work, you don't eat. I know that. But I thought, man, there's got to be a spiritual meaning in this as well. And this says this, um, The ant only lives for six months. It stores more food than it will ever consume. We should learn from the wisdom of preparing for the future and the frugality of the present. And I just got stuck on that phrase, the, the, the uh, preparing for the future and the frugality of the present. A little sleep, a little slumber. In the present, we can say, ah, I just want to do my stuff. I just want to do what I want to do. I want to feel good about what I'm doing now. I just want to do my stuff. But it's all Fertility. We need to prepare for the bigger picture, for the end, rather than for the now. Don't put off in the future what the preparations you should make for today. And uh, how many people know people say, oh, I'm not really into Christianity, not really into that stuff, but, you know, when I'm on my deathbed, yeah, I might just jump in, you know, say, hey, Jesus, forgive me. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, you could live so much better now. Now, it's always better to do this now better than later today is the day to choose what's right and serve the lord and i thought oh, okay there's the spiritual meaning is getting to service so we see that um the movie clip that we just watched had three main characters there you recognize that one was talked about one wasn't in it but I'm, i just want to look at the three characters and really what i'm wanting to do today is like you know when we use when andre uses props up here and makes all his creative stuff up here and i'll use the movie clip really it's just so that you remember the message you'll go away and today you'll go away and think oh Lyndon talked about gladiator what was the message and maybe you'll remember something because otherwise within 30 minutes of me finishing speaking today you'll forget everything that i've said anyway but i hope that there's one or two one liners here today that will get your attention, that will stick with you. That's my, that's my aim and that's my goal, that something will stick with you today. If we look at the three characters, you've got Marcus um, Aurelius, who's the, the king or the emperor. You've got his son, Commodus, and then you've got um, Maximus, who is the commander of the armies, and he's, um, he's not related to the, to the king. So if we start with Commodus... And he was the guy in the picture, the younger guy in the picture here now. He's the son that was a disappointment to his father. Did you, could you feel that? It was a pretty, pretty good scene. It was pretty well acted, I thought. And he feels rejection and he feels overlooked. Um, because somehow he, and, and he needs to prove to his dad that he has the qualities that will make him successful, even though they aren't on the list of uh, qualities that his dad had actually sent him that time. 
So what we see is here, you see the heart of Commodus. He kills his father in that scene. He just suffocated him, if you didn't realize that that happened. That happened. Um, how many people are going to go home and watch um, Gladiator this afternoon? <laughs> that always happens. As the movie goes on, we see that he dishonors his father and his legacy. The way that he rules, because the fact is he had to kill his father then because only Maximus and him knew about the plan. So all he had to do was kill his dad so that it didn't get out, and then kill Maximus, and that's it. He can be the legitimate emperor of Rome. So he dishonors his father. He's a crowd pleaser. He's a bully, and he's disrespectful and disloyal. And we find out with this guy that he doesn't have a moral compass. And it's like, wow, that is, as a parent, you don't want to look at that situation and think, oh my gosh, what, what, it gets a bit heavy for a second there because it's like, I have failed as a, as a parent. We'll look at that a bit more. So he holds games in the gladiator games. So he, he basically opens up the Colise- uh, Colosseums and, and has gladiator games and has, the, has people killing each other and tigers and all sorts of stuff. Uh, he, has, he provides food and, and, um, and just the fun and the communities, people are juggling and it's, you know, the, the music's there. And, he, and basically he's living for the now. He, he's living for what you know, is going to make the people happy and the people love him. And so his whole thing is not about good leadership, it's about popularity. And he's a guy that is, is, is going to fail in this quest because you can only do that for so long. Then 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5 says this, and this was just in my daily readings um, a week ago. Something I saw this and I thought, oh, this is the Bible as well. And if we look at this, it says, mark this, take note, which means when, when, the, when the Bible says mark this, it says take notice, watch this. Take notice. Mark this. Look at this. It says, there will be terrible times in the last days. When are the last days? Nobody wants to answer that one. Well, we're in the last days because Jesus said we're in the last days when he was here. So I guess, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll carry on believing that we're in the last days. It says, and there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Do you like this list? Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. There's 18 things on that list, and they're not good things. This is in the Bible. And I just thought when I, when I read that there, I thought this is really um, commodus. He, he'd come, gone away from the principles of what his, how his father led and stuff, and he was going to lead his way, which is the frugality of the present. And I, I guess my challenge there is, you know, the frugality of the present. How are we living our lives right now? Are we doing it in a way that has got an eternal value? Or is it the frugality of the present? The fact that you're in church is a good sign. It's a very good sign. And one thing that I noticed too, if you look, read the um, in Kings and, and the Old Testament, you'll get a king that'll come along and he'll take down the Baals and he'll destroy the altars and he'll serve as God all the days of his life. And then his son will rise up and he'll take over and become king and he does evil in the sight of God. And everybody goes back to serving the Baals and building the altars to the devil. And it's like, how does that happen? How, how, does, how does one generation fail after another generation succeeded? 
And we're going to look a wee bit at the keys to that. If we look at um, Maximus now. There he goes. Maximus, Maximus shows three qualities that we all need to have. And that is loyalty, service, and leadership. And how many of us, you know, you, you see people, I've seen people come into church here and, and straight away I see them serving in an area. Their serving shows me that there's a loyalty already. And then when you're loyal in an area, then there's an, a, 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 you know, you're asked, often asked to step into responsibility or into a leadership position because you're trusted. You, you, you serve, you're loyal, and you can be trusted with the leadership. So Marcus, I mean, Maximus is like this. He's, he's loyal to Rome. He comes to fight in the armies and becomes the commander of the armies because he's loyal to Rome. He doesn't want Rome to fail. This, uh, this scene here where, that he's in there is the last battle they had where, where uh, Marcus Aurelius, uh, the king, had, had to fight all these wars and this was the last battle. Now the country was going to go into rest. He shows up. He, he shows up. He serves the king. He's respected and becomes the commander of the armies. Marcus even offers, offers him the leadership of Rome. That's when he, and, and that's what uh, he had offered him before he talked to his son Commodus and said that he's not going to be leading it. And I like Commodus. Did you hear that his um, comment there? Yeah, it's a bit quiet, but he says, Who is the wiser older man who will lead in my place? He knew it was going to be Maximus. And he knew that Maximus was his age. But to try and make the pain of being rejected less, he says, oh, who is the older, wiser man that will lead in my place? And he looked pretty disappointed when he found out it was Maximus, when that was confirmed. And so when he's offered the, the um, you know, um, Marcus says, can you be the protector of Rome? He says, with all my heart, no. He didn't even want it. Which shows the quality of the man. He came and fought the battle, not because he wanted to fight the battle. It's just one freedom in his country, so he can go back home and be a, a father and a and a, a husband to his wife and a farmer. He respected this. He was respected by the soldiers. He was respected by his fellow gladiators. He was loved by the king, and ultimately he was loved by the crowds. And uh, there was one scene where he confronts what's going on and he, and he was just going to go out into the gladiator ring. I'm sorry if you're not into blood and guts because this is blood and guts. When, when he comes out of the gladiator scene, his, his um, boss says, don't just kill everybody. Remember, you are here to entertain the crowds. So what does he do? He just walks out there, chop, 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 chop. Everybody's down. And then he just gets his sword and he hiffs it up in the stands. And the thing clunks around up there. It could have taken someone out, really. And then what he did, and what I, what I, it's a really powerful part of the movie. He says, is this what you want? Is this what you want? And the crowd's cheering, is this what you want? And it's like sometimes we've got to ask ourselves in our life, is this what I want? Am I doing what I want? And you know, he, he actually got the crowd thinking, it's like they were going, yeah, oh, oh, maybe not. You know, people are dying and it's, this country's a mess and we're partying it up, but it's not sustainable. And he made it like a, a political um, uh, comment, really that actually changed the people, and the people started to love him. And so when he'd come out in future fights, they would chant, Maximus, 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 and he became like the hero. And yet he was the one that could have died at any time. And so now, because of his loyalty and because of his passion to do the right thing, he was changing the nation, even though Commodus was still ruling it and making a bit of a mess of it. 
But here's this is the, um, some more scripture. In the same chapter that I just read those 18 things, this is in, chap, uh, in verse 10 to 17, this is what it says, and this I relates to the Marcus, uh, Maximus side of it. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, uh, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as, you, uh, as, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. And this one thing there, I've just highlighted that there. Continue what you've been learned and what you've become convinced of. This is not a time to, to back away from what you've learned and what you've been convinced of. You've found Jesus. You've found that he's real in your life and he actually adds value to your life and it's a good thing to have him. Don't back away from that because you know from those that you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which you are able to make for wise salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. Oh, this doesn't sound like baby Jesus and peaches. And training in righteousness. And sometimes we forget sometimes that the Bible actually has a, a, a soft edge, but it also has a bit of a hard edge. And sometimes we've got to hear the hard edge to actually appreciate the soft edge. So what we end up doing is that we are contending with what is good and what is God with the worldly system is what feels good to me now. And so, I know you, you know, like when you're in lockdown, you're not going to church and stuff, and, you know, you, you watch church online, it's a bit fuzzy, and, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, I'll go and put the jug on. And, and you know, we have a contention of what's, you know, and, and I, I guess God's looking for people that got a heart after him that'll go after him in all the seasons that we go through. Now, we don't know how long we're going to be stuck in this sort of predicament where we're in restricted numbers. At least we can have church. Imagine if you've got a thousand-person church. You can't have 10 services in a day to get every hundreds through. We're lucky. You've got, you've got the opportunity and the privilege of actually getting along, and, and uh, we get to you know, meet together and see each other. That's awesome. There's a contending. You know, the devil wants your life to do frivolous stuff. God wants your life to make a make a mark. A little sleep, a little slumber. So Marcus Aurelius now, his character, it's interesting to see that he realizes what he's done. He's, he's the emperor, he's, he's had been fighting battles for years, it says in the movies, about 30 odd years or something he's been fighting. And, uh, but there was, he wasn't there for his son. And he, he now has that, that, that awareness. And he has to make a tough call. He realizes his son is not a good guy. He realizes his son hasn't got the qualities that can lead in Rome. And so he has to make up his mind to tell Commodus what he thinks. And he says, you will not be the emperor. He said it straight out. It's like there was no sugarcoating it. To me, that's courageous leadership. But it was coming from his own disappointment and what he didn't, didn't do. Remember, he said... Um, your faults as a son are my failure as a father. Every father in here today, every mother in here today, you know, that, that's, a, that's a hard-hitting line. Your faults as a son are my failure as a father. And it's like, whoa. He's taking responsibility for his, where he failed. 
I hear um, parents saying, um, at the moment, I'm hearing two, two things saying, uh, p- uh, people are saying. Um, parents saying, I don't know if my kids will make it. Will they be able to you know, live Christian lives? Will they, will they grow up with a relationship with God? I don't know. I, I'm almost like fearful about, I don't know how my kids can make it in modern society and grow up Christian. And the other one is, I've heard is, recently is that, why would I want to bring kids into this world? Why, why, why would we want to have kids now? And it, it's like, it's, it, you can sort of see it's plausible. Yeah, it's, you know, it can't even go overseas. It's a plausible thought. But the thing is, often there's a fear base behind it. It's like, I don't know what to do. Oh, I've got some really good advice for you. This is probably the best advice I can give you. That's it. That's important. Our lives shape their lives. I just want to honour Ed, actually, just seeing you nodding there. Ed and Nikki. And uh, you, know, you guys have been in the church for years. Years. And you've still got your three kids are in the church serving on a regular basis. And uh, this is what we're talking about today. You guys, you know, you, you guys are honoured amongst us because you have not only a heart for God yourselves, but you've brought your kids along with you because of courageous leadership. And I, I, I would almost say that I would guarantee that you, they might have said, oh, I don't want to go to church today. You would have brought them anyway. Yeah? And often I hear parents say, oh, my 10-year-old doesn't want to come to church, so I stay at home with them. Shivers. Who's the boss? <laughs> or, or, oh, my 13-year-old. Oh, they don't want to come to church, so those are staying home. We're here. My mum's sitting here today. She made me go to church. The only way I got out of it, as I learned when I was a bit older, when I got to sort of 13, 14, if I stayed out in the farm until I, it was past time to church started, I could get away with not going. <laughs> and I would do that. I couldn't do it all the time because it would look a bit regular. But just those days where I just couldn't face it, I would just stay down the farm somewhere and when I saw the car drive out, then I'd go back to the house. And, but the thing is, if I was ever in the house, I was going to church. And I'm here today because my parents took me to church. And, you know, when, when the kids are 16, they're still dependent. They don't really necessarily need to have a choice. If you want to have courageous leadership, <laughs> you just say, no, you're part of this family. Hey, Bryn, that's why you're here, because mum comes, eh? Yes, just yes is the right answer. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, Fiona. Fiona, you're an amazing woman. Just realise that. You know, and you're bringing your son to the most important place that he needs to be brought to. Well done. And you're doing it by yourself. And you're busy. You could easily, look, we could all say, Fiona, take a break. You sit at home on your couch, watch Netflix. You just deserve that. But you choose to be here, and that's flipping awesome. And we honour you for that. Hey, Bryn, give your mum a high five. Will our kids have a chance of following God? It's not about chance, it's about being intentional. When we're intentional, things happen. If we're living for chance or hope, yeah, of course we hope, but it's not by chance, it's by intention. Okay, and there's some scriptures here. And uh, these ones here are all about watch. 
and be on guard. And here's one, 2 John 1.8 says, Be on guard so that you do not lose all that you have diligently worked for, but receive a full reward. And you know, God's going to honor you for doing what you're doing, bringing your kids to church, teaching them the ways of God. And you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, lose it by not being on guard. Ah, I'll just stay home now. The kids stay home and you just teach them to stay home. You don't want to do that. What about this one? Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Why do we have to watch? Because it can be taken away from you. So we've got to be on guard. This one here, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch, uh, oh, I've got this confused. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Why do I have to be courageous and strong? Because it takes courage and strength to stand firm and to, to lead and to be involved. Another one, let us not sleep as others but let us watch and be sober. A little sleep, a little slumber. It is easy to go to sleep and realize that we've actually cashed in our time with God with stuff that we want to do that's not important. Matthew 24, 42. I might be catching up on my notes again now. Therefore keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. And I guess this refers to the uh, ten virgins, remember? They're all waiting, waiting for the bridegroom, and then five of them run out of oil. It's like, ah, flip, can I have some of your oil? And they says, no. So the five went out to get the oil, the bridegroom comes, they completely miss. And, you know, when you start seeing these scriptures saying, watch, be on guard, they're put there for a reason. And this one in Matthew 26 says, watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And who can identify with that one? Yeah, sorry, who can identify with that one? <laughs> so true, isn't it? So true. The spirit is, is willing, but the flesh is weak. A little sleep, a little slumber. I'm, I'm aware that the, the, the way that we position ourselves... In this current situation, the way that we go after connecting and connect groups or come to church or how we lead our, our kids and our families through is really important. Coming to church is really important because we are brothers and sisters. We are uncles and aunties. We are mums and dads to each other. When you're here, you encourage me. Hopefully, I encourage you. When, when I'm here, your kids see me as Uncle Lyndon. I went to youth group and spoke there oh, I know, a few weeks ago. And it's like, I haven't spoken to youth group for years. And I'm like, oh, I was pretty nervous, eh? And, uh, but, but the thing is, I'd, I've led youth group for 23 years. And when I started speaking, I knew, I said to Donnie, I said, man, with youth, you cannot lose youth. If you lose their attention, eh, hey, girls, you were there. If you lose their attention, you are in trouble. And I felt my mojo come back as I was speaking. It's like, oh, okay, I can do this. And it's like, you know, I want these, these guys to think of me as Uncle Lyndon. That doesn't, you don't have to say pastor, just Uncle Lyndon. Oh, that would be a privilege, actually. And you are here to impart into those around about you as well. You are uncles and aunties. Are you interested in other people's kids? Like when they get dedicated, we say, yes, we're going to be here to love and support you and, and, and uh, help them and train them and, and all that. And we need to do that because we're leading by example. This is a show-off picture. 
That's my oldest grandchild, Kaya. She is six and she's seven tomorrow, is it? Or something? She's nearly seven. I said, how old are you? And she said, I'm six. I took her fishing and she caught her first two fish at age six. Both those fish are hers. Just because I'm holding the big one, it's just because I wanted to hold the big one. No, she wanted to hold the little one. But a, a fishing game ranger came up and checked our licenses, took the photo and he's put it on the, um, on the website and could be in the fishing game magazine. It was like, oh, I'm famous. <laughs> I'm in the fishing game magazine. There you go, Mike. Fisherman. Yeah. Fisher person these days. What I'm saying here is that I am, I am, I am actually training Kaya. I am, I'm inspiring her to do something. She's so keen to come out. The time before we went over there, we went hunting and we shot a deer. Ah, we got our first deer. And it's like, okay, that's part of it. But I've got a relationship with her that she wants to hang out with granddad. And that is cool. And I'm looking forward to the years where I'm going to go through a whole bunch of my grandchildren, which is nearly eight, 7.9 Nine. We're still waiting. And I, I just look forward to the fact that I can take them out, do stuff with them, and t- you know, show them how to have t- you know, fun in the outdoors, which I like and she likes. And She's hooked, man. She's a fisher. She's a fisher now. But also I have a spiritual impartation to her life as well. Oh, granddad's a Christian. Mum and dad are Christians. She's going to grow up with a, with a legacy that's come from mum's, mum's generations through Kath and I as the grandparents to our son and daughter-in-law are Christian. And she's growing up with that legacy. And I think sometimes we underestimate how powerful it is to be involved in each other's lives and our kids' lives and actually start to learn their names and actually really care about them. Maximus influenced a young fella in that movie. Can you remember that? It was um, Comatus' sister, the, the, the uh, princess. She had a boy that was 12-ish, and he adored Maximus. He went and saw him in prison. He, he watched him and cheered him when he was fighting. And when he, when he died at the end of the movie, that's what happens, that kid there, he knew that in, in Maximus' death that he was going to rise up and be an emperor one day that is going to have the qualities of Maximus and not Commodus. And that's the strength of legacy. When we leave something that's good, others want to take it, pick it up. So what does it mean to follow God in this way, where we are fully alert what's going on? Can I have the band up here, please? Can we go back into that uh, song, that Breathe Again, please? And I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask you. And you know, normally you can say, I uh, go home and think about it, but I, I want us to think about these questions now. And as we, as, as these guys will just get the music going. The first question is this How do people around you see you as God's representation? You know, it's okay to be all Christian on Sunday, but what's it like on Wednesday? Saturday with your family your workmates your, your, your friends your relatives do they look at you and go man they're just such Christians out of 10 let's all shut our eyes for a moment because this is just about you and God you and God out of 10 am I 
a great representation that people just think, man, he is such a, she's such an amazing Christian. And man, I've seen people's lives change around them. They're leading their kids well. Do they think, you know, nine, ten, that you're right there? Or maybe you're you're a one or a two. As I don't even know if my friends or workmates know that I go to church. So today, just just as a little prick of your conscience or a bit of a reality check. Where would you place yourself? The second question is this. What will you change today? Go home and think about what you might do. What will you change today? What decision will you make right now that says, I need to change. I need to tweak something in my life. So desperate for you, Lord.